0: Can you use Winstrel in place of Arimidex to control estrogen? Taurine for heart health? Fast versus long-acting insulin with growth hormone? HMG for fertility? Will a baby aspirin a day limit muscle growth? And a bunch more. Guys, I've got timestamps below. If you want to skip around, let's get to the program.
1: Born Muth.
0: Born, B-O-R-N? Or M
1: B O B O U R N E mouth.
0: Born mouth. Hmm. In born mouth. Okay, hmm. got it. The FedEx eval. Don't be
1: it. Don't be American.
0: Born myth.
1: Scott, thank body you.
0: contest. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. If you're in Canada, get some blowout deals from supplementsource.ca. Plus, you can get some effigerent over there. I really, I feel like every Canadian should, uh, should take... Part in ephedrine because you can think about us here in america we don't we don't have that option uh we're also brought to you by eval if you are in the uk get your labs done by dave we've got links to all this stuff below and dave wanted me to mention that he's taking part he's he's helping <laughs> they've got a contest the fit x eval
1: for fuck's sake born. you're it boy you absolutely fucking butchering it.
0: Born mouth bodybuilding contest, and you guys can go there and enter and win some swag and and win prizes <laughs> and stuff. So take part in that.
1: E- Dave, e- what's up? sponsoring, sponsoring the FitTech show at Bournemouth on the fourth of June. Please ignore this idiot that, that runs this show with me.
0: We do have a link to that below, too, guys. If you want to check that out and enter the show, Dave, what's up, man? How you doing today?
1: Uh, 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 that was a very timely yawn wasn't it
0: really good high energy for the podcast i know
1: (laughs) i'm okay i've just had a couple of trying days that's all just you know when shit goes wrong it's just been one of them all
0: right well we'll try to take it easy on you um But as per usual, we've got a ton of listener questions, and we're just going to dive straight into them again. Um, By the way, guys, if you want to take part in the next episode, then comment below. Plus, comments, likes, all that stuff. You guys have been killing it with that stuff. It helps to boost us in the algorithm and helps more people to find the show. Uh, To start us out, by the way... What do we got here? This is a question for the next show. Lake Fork Giants. Question for the next show. Uh, Would it be possible for someone to grow better on Nandrolone with just a TRT dose for a testosterone base than on the same dose of Nandrolone with high test? I don't know if it's in my head, but I feel like I grew a lot better on 900 milligrams of Nandrolone with 150 test than when I upped the test to 700 milligrams.
1: So, all things being equal, more anabolics, more results. But, there is, um, as anabolics increase, so does stress. As stress increase, toxicity increases, and the body's ability to grow is reduced. So... Out of the two compounds, Nandrolone and test, the one that's going to create the most physical stress on the body is testosterone. That's going to have the most impact from a stress point of view.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Nandrolone is anti-inflammatory, it supports joints, and and it becomes a really nice product from a point of view of muscular growth. It can do a bit of funky stuff in the brain, um, so that is worth bearing in mind. But from a physical impact, it's much Less impacting on your physique, on your body physically than testosterone is. So it is well believable that a low test base with a high, much higher nandrolone would yield some very impressive results. And that if you bring the test up, with bringing the test up, you bring stress factors up, with bringing stress factors up, that starts to create a negative impact on progress. And so as a result, it's not as productive. However, bear in mind, that no two cycles are the same, even if you use the same compounds. We're using compounds that are unregulated. We can't guarantee that dosing is correct. Our circumstances change. Our mental attitude change. Depending on how long we've had off before we start the cycle, what's led up to the cycle, where we are with diet, where we are with body mass, all impact our productivity on a cycle. But it's not beyond the realms of possibilities that his low test, I up, has yielded better results than it's higher tests. I
0: now, when I first got started, Dave, <laughs> we were always concerned about the um, DECA dick, as they call it. And it, it had always been said to run your test higher than your DECA. And people were, you know, they that was like, basically it was like a rule. That was true mm-hmm. dogma within bodybuilding culture at the time. And I think yeah, that... Two to one. Um, was it two to one? I'd always heard like if you're running 400 tests, 500 DECA, I mean, excuse me, 400 DECA, 500 tests, you know, you just wanted to make sure it was higher. And if you still had issues, then you could, you know, increase the test even more. I I feel like a lot of people have been, you know, in the last 10, 15 years have questioned a lot of that dogma. And we're seeing that some people do just fine on that. Do you find that people do okay um, running a high dose of DECA, while running a low dose of test with in that respect,
1: the the, the thing with all compounds is they have, to an extent, very predictable effects. So the secret to running compounds is one, understanding those effects, and sometimes that can be quite complex. And two, then managing those effects. But yeah. In the vast majority of people that I put on a low test, high Decker cycle, I'd say probably 85, 90% do so with no problems. Okay. But there are people that are genuinely just fucking sensitive to Decker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: and, and that can be the mental impact. And I've had a few people that have struggled with it from a mental point of view, just with being very low and depressed and run down. Um, and the other impact is obviously that we even with managing estrogen and prolactin, we've still had a problem. Um and and you can manage prolactin, you can manage estrogen, but you, you struggle to impact DHM. Mm. Yes, you, you can run finasteride, you can run a five AR blocker, but I'm not a big fan of that drug full stop. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I um I, I I could see all of that. I and I have found very rare but there are, I found a f- very few people, you know. I mean, figure coaching for 13, going on 14 years now. I've seen a lot of people running gear, and it's been only a small handful of times that we have had issues that were like, we could see somebody's really sensitive to DECA, you know. But I, I find that for the most part, while running test and DECA together, uh, it, it, the key is managing the estrogen from the test. You know you when you have that higher test in there, there's there's an issue. You know.
1: Hmm. The other thing, which is not a common effect from nandrolone, but it can affect thyroid.
0: Oh, really? I didn't know that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly if somebody's already got borderline thyroid issues. Okay. It can it can heavily yeah. impact both thyroid function and T4 to T3 conversion.
0: Scott Stevenson had said, because we, we talked about how uh, Jordan Peters ran um, a really high uh, dose of DECA with low test, and he did well with that. And Scott was saying that because uh, he, he was able to get so much of that DHN, uh, I think, at the receptor, that it, it, it did not affect his libido, something like that.
1: I think for most people, superseding of uh, DHC with DHN is, is not that easy to achieve. Hmm. Uh, I just think it's the rare you know, outliers that have a problem with that.
0: Okay. All right. We'll see what else we got here for um, the Cabbage crew today. All right. How about this one? We've got a question. If something like Winstrel can lower estrogen, what could be a lower dose you could take if you were to say uh, on 500 milligrams of test cheers? And he says, uh, and what I mean by that is instead of taking a Remedex to control estrogen, could you take something like 10 to 20 milligrams of Winstrel to help control estrogen?
1: It would help, but it wouldn't control it satisfactorily enough. Yeah. DHTs, particularly oral DHTs though they do have an anti property they do bind with aromatase they do lower the conversion of test to estrogen they also bind with SHBG resulting in higher three hormone. Um, but they uh, are not as effective of it, at it as an, an AI is. Uh, Masteron out of all the DHTs is the most impacting on estrogen management and even then you're probably going to need 700 to 5. If you were only 500 mega tests, you're probably going to need about 700, maybe 800 mega mast to effectively control that estrogen. It would be at least one to one, but I suspect it would be more like one to 1.5
0: ratio. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you are not going to touch the fucking sides with 20 milligram of winstrol.
0: Yeah, I could I could see that. I, I could see it being helpful. I could see, you know, what I could see twenty milligrams of Winstrel being helpful for is to increase more free test. You know, binding to SHBG. I feel like you could get some more free test out of it. That might be a benefit.
1: And Winstrel obviously lowers progesterone as well, so the, you know there are there are benefits from it. But to to use it as an AI, an oral DHT as an AI is just impractical.
0: Okay. All right. Um, oh, this is kind of a fun one. Um, question from Nick. So he got a question for Dave. In the UK, what are the rules on bringing back anabolics from a foreign country? I've seen forum types uh, bragging about bringing in a thousand vials of test. I am scared to fly, so it's not for me.
1: So bear in mind that what's legal and what you get caught doing. so it is legal to bring back anabolics that you have purchased yourself overseas into the UK wow however
0: it's like land of the free that sounds we we should have that here in America
1: however, however 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 that is that those anabolics are deemed for personal use and unfortunately there is no set guideline okay now the medicines act comes in useful here because the medicine Act allows i think it's about 354 quid's worth of of pharmaceutical drugs to be brought in for personal use okay so if you were looking for guidance from law that's the closest you're gonna get and it isn't quite applicable but that's the closest you're gonna get Hmm. um so that's where you stand legally you can bring it in however you are supposed to declare it at customs, and you are supposed to pay duty on it at customs. Mm. So if you walk in through customs with 100 vials of test in your suitcase, and it is discovered, there is a very strong chance you're losing that testosterone. However, you may not face prosecution because border control are a bit slack in that department.
0: No, okay.
1: If you, if you bring a thousand back then and you get caught with it, then yes, you will most likely face prosecution. But
0: have you ever, uh, it, as an expert witness, have you ever been involved in a case related to this kind of thing?
1: Not with somebody bringing it in on the person, no. Only in the case of importation through mail.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Now, what's the law there bringing things in in the mail?
1: Completely illegal. Doesn't matter oh. what it is or what it's for.
0: It wasn't always that way, was it? Like that was a newer no. law. Two
1: thousand and twelve, they changed it for the Olympics.
0: Nice. Okay. Oh, so it was related to the Olympics.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was there was concern from the Olympic Committee that the uh, UK steroid laws weren't robust enough. Huh. So as as a, a halfway house, whatever you want to call it, as a, a peace deal, so to speak. They changed the law which banned the importation of all anabolics, be them finished compounds or raw powders, in the mail.
0: Holy shit. So literally, this is evidence again, like we've had that in the U.S., steroid laws being created because of a sport.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, I think the thing is to go and ban importation full stop, even on your person, would then be tricky because of the laws like the medicine act where they have this allow a allowance for personal medication to be brought back in
0: yeah yeah uh,
1: and so to, to change the law to ban the the import of all anabolics even if they're on your person would make sweeping changes to several parts of uk law so as a result this was i suppose that the easy one they could change without having impact across the board in other areas
0: huh I like this comment. This is from Comfy Sweats. It says, "I really can't wait for the Mcnally Crossland World Tour. <laughs> we should do that, and we should turn it into a Netflix documentary like right. series."
1: I will do it on one condition. Yes. We travel separately. We no stay no no
0: separately. no 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 no. We are in no, like a. I am-
1: no, I am not spending a world tour in a fucking RV with you. You no, no, no.
0: We're gonna get right like a off. we're gonna get a mini, and we're gonna drive around. Uh, we'll like rent a mini or maybe a small uh, compact car in each country uh, to like t- tour around in. We'll share a, a room. We will get two beds, of course, uh, and and then in between we'll have stops um, where we like do different things. Like today, Dave and Scott are gonna like learn how to do Irish jigs.
1: <laughs> okay, so if, if, if it will be the a fun format, show.
0: It'll be a fun show.
1: I agree to those terms and conditions on one proviso. What's that? My diet will consist of curry, beans, <laughs> cabbage.
0: Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, it'd be fun though. We could make a TV show out of it. I already, I already see it happening. I think that Comfy Sweats had. A great idea, and I think we should roll with it.
1: I I actually think Comfy Sweats would be a good name for it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Comfy Sweats, the Dave and Scott World Tour. Okay, question for the next show. Your opinion on year-round supplementation of taurine for heart health and sort of related, um, how could one assess their taurine deficiency? Thanks, lads. That's a good question. I don't know about the deficiency part. I feel like we could ask Victoria on that one, but she wouldn't have like a real simple answer for us. So I'm not even gonna try right now. She's busy writing a dissertation.
1: So deficiency, I haven't got a fucking clue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first time anyone I have ever heard ask about testing for taurine deficiency. Yeah. Um, I, I to be honest, I'm not particularly familiar with its benefits for heart health. Um, obviously, taurine's a go-to to reduce lower back pumps. Um, and, and I believe that it has an impact on on blood pressure, um, uh, and and water retention. Um, The main thing I notorium for is to be used with nandrolone cycles to minimize the impacts of nandrolone on on sperm production.
0: Really? Mm.
1: Hmm. So testosterone itself will stimulate sperm production. Okay. So if you're on a test cycle, you do actually still stimulate serotonin cells. Even though FSH is shut down, you oh. do get sperm stimulation. Okay. <coughs> directly from testosterone, which is one of the reasons you see guys on cycle still get the missus as pregnant. Yeah. But nandrolones obviously suppress sperm production even in the light of testosterone. So um, taurine helps offset that. But uh, beyond that, I'm out on this one, mate. It's all down to you.
0: Huh. Okay, well, I, I you know, the place I see taurine used most in bodybuilding is run with Clen cycles, Because Clen can deplete taurine um, from the body. And with that, you end up getting cramping. So you can reintroduce that taurine to the cell by supplementing with it. Now, I used to supplement with it really high, like five, six grams. And I thought it was pretty much innocuous. But Victoria had said, you don't really want to go that high with it. I take 1,000 milligrams every night now Um, and and looking for the heart health thing, because I didn't know this, but just this is like Google stuff, guys. So I'm not like saying like, oh, I'm all smart and I know everything there is to know. Um, Scientists have identified a link between a lack of taurine and cardiomyopathy. Cardiomyopathy is a condition that causes the heart to work harder than it should. It is a major risk factor for congestive heart failure. So there's that. And also, um, in this part I did know, uh, taurine has important functions in the heart and brain. It helps support nerve growth. So one of the reasons I'm using it is post having the bug that we really, you know, get censored for saying um, to help improve, re- restore nerves. Like when you get that, the like when your taste, when you can't taste from getting sick with it, um, when that goes away. That's because that's uh, an example of having had nerve damage from the bug, so I'm using taurine as part of my supplementation for that, um, but I also have heard it's just it's good restorative in general, so I think a thousand milligrams uh, even if you didn't say find a deficiency probably is only going to benefit you
1: shall we Shall we name it the Voldemort disease?
0: What do you mean why?
1: Well, because we can't say the word because of how uh, it oh. triggers, triggers all the algorithm. Bollocks. They, so yeah. he, he shall
0: you, not be named or whatever. Named. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So we can call it the Voldemort disease.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Which is which that. is the
1: same the same name I use for my physio. All
0: right. I also I had a uh, a little PSA I wanted to share with our listeners, and this is to protect you guys. So. Um, I w- was looking at. I just put out a podcast this morning with Nate Spear, um, and uh, and I went to go back to check it out, make sure everything's looking good, check out the comments, all that, respond to people, and we got an ad that came up, and it was for these products, Dave. This I'm, wind test is one of them. Uh, in the middle there, uh, Equ- Equimass is another. And the commercial, dude, the commercial was like, you know, are you tired of being a fat slob? Do you want to get ripped like this guy? You want to go on cycle? Well, try our products. And I just want to give you a heads up, guys. We don't support that shit. And if I could set it up so that YouTube couldn't advertise that stuff on our podcast, I definitely would. So if you see that ad. We don't have anything to do with it, and we definitely don't recommend that shit either. But if they want to keep running the ad and, you know, get money from them, I guess I'll take it. There's that.
1: What? If you want to stay a fat slob.
0: Then do you... I feel like you could still take it and you could you could still reach your goals then. I don't think it's going to do too much.
1: Maybe yeah. I'm actively perfuming the, the, the fat slob look.
0: Vintage muscle, uh, laser tells us. Hmm. Well, in that case, you could get on, like, the cheesecake diet.
1: I'm trying. Nobody will get me cheesecake.
0: (sighs) Well, guys, uh, when you go out to the FitX Eval Born Mouth contest, bring Dave some cheesecake.
1: Oh, 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 Yes, We, we, um... Mr. Robert Ralph, who is a powerlifting client of mine, um, he makes these amazing brownies.
0: You mentioned that in the last show. Did you, did you? Did you? Did you? Did he bring brownies for the contest? But you ate them all. Was that what happened? No,
1: no. I have ordered a lot of them, hmm. and by a lot, I mean a lot.
0: Like, what are we talking?
1: Maybe a hundred ish. For yourself? Of course, yeah.
0: You're fucking kidding me. You're not. You, you mean for the contest,
1: mate? One of these fuckers, you're full. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they are fucking amazing. If they come in time, I'll take a picture and show you.
0: Um, All right, I want to see those. <coughs> All right. Let's see. What else do we have here? Um, Question. How come some people respond completely differently to different esters? I've always responded very poorly to anethate, but grow like a weed on propanate. Could it be the SHBG levels from injection frequency, or is it just how some people work?
1: It's definitely not SHBG. So that one's out the window. All, all, all three anabolics are going to lower SHBG, and it's rare you'll see SHBG anything above 10 with somebody who's on cycle, irrespective of the compound they're running.
0: I thought so SHBG would get higher on cycle because there's more to bind. more. Yeah? No? Yeah? Okay.
1: Yeah, it goes down. Hmm. I know it's a bit of an oxymoron. Isn't it? You, you, it does the opposite of what you'd expect it to do.
0: Yeah.
1: But, but no, it goes down. Elevated free test lowers SHBG. Hmm. But ironically, high, low test means higher SHBG at a point when you would want more free test to compensate for the fact that your test is low, you'd think SHBG would come down with it, but no. Okay. So all cycles lower SHBG, and they lower them significantly. I don't think I've ever seen a set of bloods where SHBG is above 10 in somebody who's on cycle.
0: Huh.
1: All more, right. More, well, more, more commonly, you'll see it single digits four, six, seven, eight, around there. Um, I, I have seen one- people
0: vary, uh, you know, work I, like I, I. work with one guy who is like, I can't take test D, anything with an F8, ester. I get. I get messed up from it doesn't work for me like one guy one guy. Uh, I think he was like getting like a rash or a breakout and it wasn't like a standard breakout he was like yeah every time I take testy it does this I figured I'd try because it was a different brand but you know test sip is what he needed to go with and in Trenny, same thing
1: well the fatty acid is, is is the element that changes in the different esters yeah so I suppose you could have a sensitivity to a fatty acid. Um, I'd be surprised if you did, but I suppose you could. Um, I think one of the things people mess up with, too, is one, they don't look at the accumulative dose difference between a, a fast ester mm. and a slow actinester, which can have a huge impact on how you respond. Sure. Uh, and two, we are always dealing with a drug that has no standard. What do you mean? Well, whenever you buy gear, yeah. unless you're getting it out of a pharmacy, it's pot luck.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I get what you mean.
1: You know, so you can say, well, I responded better on that end cycle than I did on that prop cycle, but the prop might have been underdosed or the end might have been overdosed or vice versa, you know. So it, it's it's very difficult to make set comparisons the only way you could really give any insight into that question is if we had bloods from those yeah. blood cycles
0: yeah that makes sense and, and you know what i'll add to this too is say you know being able to look at things like the steroid profiles online and stuff great place to start i mean even when we've done steroid profiles on this podcast great place to start to get some basic insight into a drug but from there it it, it does take experimenting to see uh, what works best for you? And, you know, unfortunately we have to go through that experimentation progress process and then we figure out what works good for us. And those are the things that we hold on to and we lean into. So, you know, for me, I found out that EQ for instance, and I'm getting a little off topic for masters, but EQ was a great compound for me in my needs versus Dave Deca, you know, but that, you know, that's okay, right? You lean into the thing that works best for you just cause Deca is great for Dave. I guess it's we have to look at what works best and then lean into those things. So if, if probe works better for him, so be it, right? Go for the, it. The,
1: the, the issue is, and though I am very supportive of anecdotal evidence and, and self-assessment in that way, the issue is having the ability to be transparent and honest with yourself when you review the progress from a cycle. So for mm. argument's sake, I did a prop t- test prop cycle. It was fucking brilliant. Grew like a weed. I did a test end cycle. I oh, it was shit. I didn't grow. Right, okay. Was your training on point? Was your diet on point? What were your external stress factors? What was your sleep like? What was your work like? Oh, for sure. What was your health, health like? You know, and all these factors started to come into it, all that have influence on how we progress. So it's difficult as an individual to, to self-assess the impact of those factors yeah unless unless they're really extreme which is where having a measurable markable figure helps you to compare more directly so getting a set of bloods in every cycle at week six yeah will will physically show where your testosterone level is where your estrogen level is where your shb is where your blood and so you start to get a a picture in relation to what you're doing Plus what you're feeling, plus what your bloods are saying. And the more information we can collate, the more accurate we can work out what's gone on, what worked in that cycle, what didn't work in that cycle.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a good point. and And I think kind of related to that you hear a lot of times the older guys saying, man, steroids aren't what they used to be. You know, they used to be a lot better. I think there could be some truth to the cleanliness and, and, and especially like when people were getting like the pharma Anadrol and stuff like that. But that said, I do think there's an amount of like reminiscing of how great those first cycles were compared to having done a hundred cycles down the road. Yeah. d ball doesn't have that same kick that it used to. You know what I mean? It's not good it. Yeah. It's not good
1: at it. I mean, Private example, UC1, I ran high fucking doses for six, seven months and I responded really, really well. Yeah. But I went into that very lean, well, lean for me, very fit, very healthy. When I went into the second UC2, I wasn't fit, I wasn't healthy, I wasn't anywhere near the same condition. And as a Mm. result, I didn't tolerate the drugs as well. Yeah. Um, Was the second cycle a shit cycle? No, not particularly. My preparation for it was.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right, Brian Murphy has one for us. <clears throat> he says using insulin with HGH is a slow-acting insulin sufficient, or would you see better results with a fast-acting insulin pre, post workout with simple sugars? I've heard theories on both camps, and wondering your advice is uh, would be. Thanks for uh, all you do for the sport, guys. I really appreciate it, uh, and a great, fun, and entertaining show. There we go. Where I deal where I feel like I'm actually learning something while watching YouTube. That's cool. We're teaching people stuff about taking drugs, Dave.
1: I learn about dancing dogs when I watch YouTube.
0: <laughs> yeah. I learned um, about I learned about shooting better lately. That's what I learned oh, on YouTube. F-
1: you scare me. Swear. You scare me. If we're going on this tour, you're not bringing a fucking gun.
0: I'm bringing all the guns, Dave.
1: No, I don't fucking trust you. You're not bringing a gun.
0: And we're gonna have like a we're gonna have like a day where we like range day today on Dave and Scott's world tour range day. See you soon. I
1: have no issue with going to a range, but you are not bringing your own fucking guns. I'm sorry, but no.
0: If well, if we're traveling around the world, probably not. I can't. But <laughs> if we're doing a U.S. tour, I'm gonna be strapped. Just let you know. You won't have to know about it.
1: You'll end up fucking shooting me or something.
0: You won't even know about it. You won't even see it. Don't you worry about it, Dave.
1: I'll know when it's lodged in my ass, Jake. All
0: right. All right. Questions here, Dave. So the fast-acting versus slow-acting insulin with growth hormone. Um, I think personally getting in with a fast-acting growth is, or excuse me, fast-acting insulin is usually like the best way in to combining them that'd be my go-to starter kit you know
1: Um personally I would run fast I prefer the control and also I'm not a fan of slow just from the point of view that once it's in it's in you, you, you've not much you can do there yeah I, I have run baseline slow with fast but again that becomes quite unpredictable as well um, so I would stick with fast. At the end of the day, if you're using it as a complementary to progress, you're only going to be using small amounts anyway. So if you're doing the old school high-dose and high-dose that, you'll fill up with glycogen and water. You're going to look massive, but it's not actually going to do much for your progression. Yeah, uh, You're much better sticking with low-dose, 2, 3 IU with a meal, on the sling, and then your GH either AM or PM, depending what your desired effect is.
0: I could do yeah. I would I would agree with that, especially if you're not familiar with it. I think it's a it's a great way to intro, and and I do think that using something like a Humalog is going to be even the, like the least complicated because you don't have to cover a ton of meals. You know, it's in your system, right. it's going to be out a lot faster than even Humulin are. You know. All right. Yeah. You gonna say? Nothing. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say something. No, just Alright. Something about water here. Um he says So if I was low on water for the day and planned on lifting later on the day how quickly would i be able to fully hydrate to max level with pounding an entire gallon a couple hours before your workout fully saturate the muscles the same as hydrating all day no uh this could be also be a question for the early morning crew no you gotta you gotta um that's the thing you can't really make up for water uh, once you get behind it, you kind of get behind and depending on how dehydrated you get, like I can tell you in an extreme case, um, my soft tissue person had told me, uh, she had worked with like a lot of strong men, a lot of power lifters, mostly, mostly strong men, including like Brian Shaw and, and also with guys like the Detroit lions. So, uh, she met me and we started working together and then through that, she started like meeting more bodybuilders. I started sending her clients. She kind of got like into the bodybuilding circles. And she told me one day, she's like, You guys are all dehydrated. She was like, All your tissue is different than uh, guys that are doing these other sports. And she said, uh, She th- said too that like after you get dehydrated for a show, which is really extreme, that it's going to take a while. She was like, It can take weeks before all your tissues are back to normal. So I think the big factor is just staying hydrated as best you can. Sure, if you're dehydrated, then try to make up for it. You know, try to get some water in. But I don't think pounding two gallons is going to necessarily get you to the same place you were. I think it's time. And I also think that you need to have the right electrolytes in your system too to be able to to absorb that water and hold it the way you need to. So sometimes pounding more water... You could flush out more minerals and end up in a worse place. So there's that.
1: Also carbs because glycogen is what's going to drive the water into the muscle.
0: Good job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: The other, the way I think a way to really visualize this is get a glass, a tall tumbler glass, you know, the tall slim glasses, um, highball glass. Oh, yes. or even a shaker cup. Get a bucket of water, and then try to fill that, quickly.
0: Oh, yeah, okay.
1: Pour the, pour the butter walker in. What's going to happen? Loads is going to splash over the sides and you're not actually going to fill the shaker. You're only probably going to get about half of it for
0: <laughs> Yeah, especially depending on how impatient you are.
1: So that is your trying to compensate drinking shitloads of water in one hit approach to hydration. Yeah. Get a bottle and pour it in slow and controlled, you're going to fill it. That is your Hydration over the day and consistently over days. Yeah. So there you go. There's a nice visual for those of us that learn better with seeing things rather than talking about things.
0: Hypoatremia is not a good thing to give yourself by trying to force hydration. That's a good point, too, Laser.
1: You can actually kill yourself with too much water.
0: Dude, I guess that happened in the U.S. for a contest. There, there There was a radio show contest. And and after that, uh, radio shows, I guess, changed. Like, it, it changed the industry. They had, like, some people come in, and they had to see who could drink the most water without peeing. And somebody actually killed themselves doing it. Somebody died. And guess who was responsible? Radio station.
1: And do you know how that death occurs?
0: Can you explain it?
1: So water will back up in your bloodstream, um, and therefore it will back up then... Yep into your brain and the tissue of your brain starts to swell. Yeah, yeah. The issue there is there's very few places that swelling tissue can go. So your brain starts to come out of your ears, your eyes, and your nostrils. And that's how you die.
0: Holy shit. That does not sound like a pleasant death.
1: Ecstasy actually affects the way the kidneys function. Okay. And as a result, and it's not particularly that they damage the kidneys, but as a result, your kidneys don't press, process water out of your body in the same way. So when you're on MDMA, you're less likely to need a piss.
0: Oh, okay. Now,
1: it used to be that when people, most ecstasy deaths were due to overheating. Yeah. Uh, and and so there was a big push that if you were out and you were using ecstasy that you drunk plenty of water. And
0: I remember so hearing that. Yeah.
1: Until someone called Leah Betts died, and then they realized, actually, no, you don't want to drink loads of water, but do want to keep yourself cool. Mm. So drink water normally and pour the rest over your fucking head.
0: And that's when they invented, um, what do they call that? Like the, the bubble parties, the foam parties. <laughs> Not true, but you think about, have you ever seen those those foam parties? Yes. That's crazy, man. I feel like that foam is dirty, too. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I want that, that foam on me. But, yeah, that's the opposite. Like, at a rave, you're not going to be, like, in a cool place, you know?
1: No. So, yeah. So um when you take ecstasy and you're out partying, you drink normally, but you you don't use hydration to cool yourself down. You cool yourself down by going to a cool place.
0: Hmm. All right. How about uh <laughs> this one from the Pale Man? This is uh what you guys. Chill out. Yeah. Nice. Uh, What do you think of using HMG uh, after been on long periods of time? I've heard combined with HCG, it can bring back fertility. Do you need to drop off (coughs) gear completely or continue with TRT dose?
1: So fertility is complex um, and it, it isn't particularly a case of one size fits all. So if, if you can recover from cycle, so you can restore natural function, then being off cycle is going to be better for fertility than being on. However, if you can't recover, then no. TRT is going to be your better option. And what HCG will do on TRT is it will raise ITT, which is intertesticular testosterone. And as we covered very early on, Testosterone has a stimulating effect at the seroteri cells. Yeah. HMG is a blend of FSH and LH, and so FSH is the signal hormone that stimulates uh, sperm production. The problem with HMG is it's fucking expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is.
1: So generally what people will do is they will run... HMG specifically around the period of time when they're actively trying to conceive. Hmm. Um, HMG, as far as I'm aware, and, and I may be wrong on this, so I'll put that, that in now to start. I don't think he, I don't think cells suffer from the same atrophy that Leydig cells do in testicular shutdown. And I think that is mainly because the testosterone cycle does and will stimulate those cells. Hmm. Uh, If you were running a non-testosterone cycle, um, so particularly, I suppose, really, the only thing I can think of is a Nandrolone-only cycle. Yeah. um, Then there should be some stimulation of the seroteri cells from the cycle you're running. So as a result, you don't have a requirement for a restorative period like you do with the LADIC cells and HCG. So when we take HCG post cycle, we take it to restore Leydig cell integrity. We take it to recover the LADIC cells, to increase the LADIC cell size and get them functioning back to normal again, or as close as damn it. We don't have that issue around HMG. So taking HMG post cycle, I suspect isn't going to have a huge impact on long-term sperm production.
0: Hmm, Okay.
1: I think it will only have an immediate impact while it's in place.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I think too. And then generally, I see people using those compounds, HMG, HCG, and Clomid, when their goal is like, okay, now we're trying to get the wife pregnant, it's not like you know we're trying to restore permanently but they'll go you know we'll run and i've helped people with that i'm sure you have too getting into a fertility program because that's what the goal is but then they stop doing it after they've reached their goal
1: the um the other option as well is um uh, giving the missus clomid
0: you got to be careful with that one you know because clomid can cause i just heard about um I think it was a multiple birth of nine, and it was in some foreign country. I can't remember. It might have been an African country. <laughs> Jesus, man, nine babies!
1: Clomid massively increases the probability of twins, uh, but it, it, it does improve female fertility. Um, but at the end of the day, that's only going to go so far. If your if your swimmers are shit, then your swimmers are shit. And and, and making the female more receptive to those swimmers will help to a small extent, but it ain't going to fix the fact that your swimmers are shit.
0: We do have to remember that, too. You know, it takes two to make a baby. So (laughs) you got to make sure that both of you guys are are in a position where it can work, you know? Yep. All right. Carpal tunnel here. Got an older listener. Uh, Not me. Jerry Wright does, though. He says, uh, great show as usual. Thank you, Jerry. Um, My question would be on things to help with wrist pain, mostly base of thumb, creams, maybe uh, injections of TB500, I think. Um, This came from work stress. Could be carpal tunnel or the start of arthritis. He's 59, after all. Um, Does not hurt as much with training as with gripping tools and products uh six to seven hours a day.
1: So Carpal tunnel
0: quit your Go job. On. Quit your job.
1: Careful. become a male model.
0: Yeah. It's not too late. Only,
1: only young. fans. Only fans. You're make a fucking fortune on OnlyFans. There is a, a there's a kit for everybody. Um so, carpal tunnel is literally where the tunnels that everything passes through uh, they get built up, they calcify whatever it is and then as a result it's catching and it makes movement difficult Um, there is an element of information with carpal tunnel so an an anti-inflammatory curcumin, turmeric will help so will BP um, and TB to an extent Um, if it's arthritic then BPC is fantastic for arthritis. And there's even studies out there now showing BPC treatments can actually reverse arthritic problems. Okay. Uh, But it needs to be consistent. Now, what I've found is that you will need, if you're doing injection, and because it's a thumb you potentially could do, you're gonna need to run a protocol for about a month, and then you can move to a maintenance protocol of, of, say, uh, you know, an injection every couple of days or an injection a couple of times a week, whereas your initial protocol is going to be two injections daily. Okay. If you do it IV, which is how I do it, then I needed an IV weekly for four to six weeks, and then I could drop down to two weekly and then eventually drop down to monthly.
0: How did that work for you?
1: Very good, but there are periods of time where I, if I'm particularly active, so I'm, I'm stressing those areas regularly, um i have to bring that iv back up so just to give you a prime example um i don't know if i mentioned this last week actually so lot last sunday but sunday before i judged at Fitex leeds the saturday morning before that i did a 45 minute cardio session on the bike now that was the longest cardio session i've done on the bike in quite some time by middle of the night saturday night leading into sunday morning my foot had flared. My arthritis had flared quite substantially, and I couldn't put any weight on my right foot whatsoever.
0: And you said your back hurt, too. You were moaning about that the whole last was, episode, Dave.
1: Yeah, that was that was deadlifting. It's cleared up with oh, deadlifting again this good, week. Good, good, good. Um, I did an IV, a BPC, a TB, 6 o'clock Sunday morning. Yeah. By 10 o'clock, I was pain three.
0: Nice. Holy shit. I'll tell you what, man, BPC has helped me a ton with, uh, you know, when I had my shoulder tear and just minor, you know, tweaks and stuff like that, that, that could have turned into something more. I'm a big fan. What about ice? You know, ice to reduce that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Yeah, I mean, obviously reducing inflammation is one of the key areas of management in this. Yeah. I'm just not a big fan of anti-inflammatories if you have to use them long term.
0: Agreed. Do you know anything about uh, natto kinase? Uh, Yes. That's for um, uh, blood clots? Blood thickness. Okay. Oh, okay.
1: 10 milligram per kilo.
0: 10 milligram per kilo. It's not something I really know much about
1: it's one of the, the new age supplements that's coming forward at the moment as an alternative to ip6 for managing blood thinners.
0: son of a bitch dan knows all about it too apparently well he's asking us about it huh mm-hmm. interesting i'd be curious about that I've, one
1: i've not seen any real world stuff um i've seen the studies um and and the research but i've not seen any real world stuff so i'm not sure how impacting it is in real world so If you use it, Dan, I'd be very interested to know how you get on.
0: Yeah, let us know, man. I'd be curious too. (laughs) Um, Kind of on a related note, uh, question for the next episode, because we're talking about kind of blood thickness here and and everything. Can a baby aspirin a day decrease muscle growth potential?
1: You know what I would have thought? I would have thought its real world impact would be non. Would be negligible at the end of the day. The benefits from that, from a kind of reduced platelet clots, etc., I think would far outweigh any impact it would have on the muscle growth. And in the view of anabolics, it's going to have zero real world impact.
0: And I started because I, I was like, Well, where's this coming from? And I started thinking because I know that, uh, you know, there's been talk in bodybuilding that too many NSAIDs can uh basically hamper your growth being that and it it will um stop that inflammatory process that we need you know exercise is an inflammatory process Weightlifting is and that you know if you blunt that effect you might not get as much of that effect from exercise and you may block that i but i think at such a low dose you know i mean because the standard dose of aspirin is a lot higher for anti-inflammatory purposes 81 milligrams it's nothing
1: the other thing to bear in mind, there is, for various reasons, a popularity of telusmartin. Oh, yeah. What people who promote the use of telusmartin, and I don't have an issue with telusmartin used in the right environment at all, and I've seen it have some very impressive results on, on, on kidney function as well, Telesmartin cannot be combined with non-steroidal anti-inflammatories
0: oh okay that's good to know
1: and there's a lot of people running aspirin and telosmartin together
0: well heads up then guys
1: now again as scott has already said 80 milligram of aspirin is not the biggest dose in the world but it is actually listed if you look at the drug advisories around telosmartin as in the medical advisories what has to be considered when prescribing telosmartin one on top of the list one of the biggest contras is do not combine with NSAIDs okay because it massively increases the risk of kidney damage
0: dave you're doing a lot of pounding on your desk today you notice that people are into the headphones just guys we have headphones listeners dave and, and uh they're not gonna be happy with you okay and just just letting you know uh if you uh are upset with Dave, you can comment below. They usually do. <laughs> okay, we'll blow through the last few here. Uh, testosterone suspension via IV. I read a study done in the 1950s, and the outcome wasn't bad. Not, uh, try, not tried it. Most likely won't, but I'm interested. Oh, man, I can't imagine that being a comfortable shot, first of all.
1: the Well, you won't feel it.
0: What do you mean you wouldn't feel it?
1: You won't feel it, IV. There'd be no pain.
0: You sure about that? You you sure about that going in is not going to be uncomfortable? I feel like that would burn like a mother.
1: Um, So very doubtful. Very, very doubtful. Um, Yeah, in theory, the delivery system is the most immediate you can get. Anything IV is massively going to increase the impact of that compound or that drug. So, the least effective way to take a a, a chemical is orally. The most effective way to take a chemical is IV. Reason being oral, stomach, absorption, bloodstream. Because there's all those stages in the way, the bioavailability of that drug gets reduced at every point. So, therefore, you don't get the same dosing from an oral administrative drug as you do from an IV drug. Intermuscular, better than oral, because it has to absorb them through the muscle, then into the bloodstream or depot, or sub-Q, similar sort of scenarios. But the, the absorption through the muscle still does reduce some of the bioavailability of that compound. Sure. So the most direct way to take any compound to m- increase the maximum amount of delivery to where you want it is IV.
0: I feel, though, like even a micronized... Um tne or excuse me not T and E, because you couldn't do the oil ba- based version it'd have to be a micronized water-based injectable testosterone dude that stuff is still like there's granules in that shit man you know what i'm saying they're tiny granules but i don't know if i want to be injecting granules. plus there ugl is. stuff man and i don't know about yeah. iv and ugl anything you know
1: so the the issue obviously is that one of the benefits to im is that the muscle almost acts as a filter it, it, and it will trap and deal with yeah. potential particles and stuff that's in there before it enters the bloodstream. Um, when you have IV, you don't have that safety net. So mm-hmm. what you're taking has to be 100% on, on point. But as it's a much faster and direct delivery system, it's also much quickly dealt with and processed.
0: Yeah. I want to know where this guy got his username from goat bear man goat well, maybe, bear maybe,
1: man maybe he is part goat part bear and part man
0: well I assumed that you know I never saw one of those and we, I don't think we ever had one listening to the podcast before which is kind of cool
1: yeah but we have, we already have world's strongest man that's
0: true Brian Shaw yeah. All right. Got maybe one or two more here. Traveling to Thailand for three weeks and injecting there isn't possible. Um, Other than coming off, what would you recommend? Love the show. Dude, I thought people went to Thailand to get gear.
1: Exactly. Fucking Thai D-ball used to be some of the best shit you could get.
0: Yeah, yeah. Little pink ties.
1: All right. So if if you don't want to go for the hassle of sourcing over there, I walk into a chemist. Then I would uh, suggest Navido.
0: Yeah. Okay. Three weeks. That's gonna hold you over.
1: Yeah, it's not ideal, but it, it it's it's probably the rather than taking a shitload of gear to put levels so high that the half life will keep you in range. Yeah. I would have said Nab is your best next best step.
0: But man, I'd go to Thailand, I'd gear up over there. Don't people don't people 'cause UK okay, so here in the US <laughs> Here in the U.S., Thailand is like a, a lifetime away. I hardly know anybody who has, who has visited Thailand. For you guys, it's not that far, right? And people go over there to actually do oh. like a steroid holiday where they go there to just gear up.
1: Doesn't figure Steve live in Thailand.
0: He sure does, yeah.
1: So he's probably the best person to speak to about getting gear in Thailand.
0: <laughs> he actually said that a lot of the Thai gear isn't, isn't good. He said that they use a lot of solvents like EO and Gwaijkol. That they they add these preservatives, basically, or these solvents to to create stability for these compounds that are being shipped around the world. But he found that his uh, inflammation levels were going through the roof when he was using this legit stuff from these Thailand companies. They don't give a fuck about what you're putting in your body as long as you get the compound. So there's that. All right. Let's see if we got one or two more here, like I said. Um... I don't know much about this one. He says uh, one for tomorrow's show. I would love to hear you got guys, your guys' thoughts on MGF and PEG MGF. Um, I can't recall you guys ever discussing it, but I think it's a fanta- it's uh, fantastic with the little experience I've had with it. Um, what is the ideal way to use it? I've seen different protocols. Uh, the one I'm interested in is one day IGF LR three, one day PEG uh mgf because it resensitizes the igf receptor supposedly would love to hear your opinions on any experiences with it i told him i never used it and the people i know who have used mgf didn't really get anything from it but i wanted to ask him his experience now he said he had a calf imbalance and he was using this along with igf and along with hyaluronic acid injections um, and he said that it looks like. So I think it was the hyaluronic acid, personally. Yes, it was. You know,
1: basically, it was it was the hyaluronic acid. I I, I have no doubt. Um, I've never seen any substantial results from IGF one peptide or um, MGF or PEG MGF PEG whatever you want to call it. Uh, apart from a little. Little bit of localized fullness, um, yeah. and and I really would say, in my personal opinion, and I don't mean a gentleman, no disrespect, but in my personal opinion, I would have said it's the HA that's had the impact. Hmm. Uh, I don't think it's those compounds at all. And unfortunately, if he hasn't run him in isolation, it, it's difficult to say. Um, when you look at IGF 1 products, as in proper pharma products. Uh, and you you not only see the costs involved, but you see the dosing involved. Mm. And then you, you, you say, well, I'm going to shoot a peptide once a day, once a week, twice a week, every other day, whatever. Um, it's like, well, that's not even knocking on the door of what legit pharmaceutical IGF-1 needs to be dosed at to have an impact. Yeah. So how is a peptide that potentially is questionable in the first place. That is definitely not of the same purity and standard of pharmaceutical grade IGF one being dosed at a 100 for what that's run out for, for effect having any impact?
0: Yeah, yeah, I've I, never like I said, I've known a lot of people who had experimented with it in the past 15 years. And I don't know anybody who got anything out of it.
1: No, I mean, there's some damn good peptides out there. Uh, we just discussed two of them, PPC and, and TB. Yeah, uh, and and uh, the GH secretors are, are again generally quite efficient, and quite effective at what they do within the limitations of your own natural ability to produce testosterone. Uh, sorry, to produce uh, growth hormone. But the tannin injection, brilliant peptide, works really, really well. Fucking hundreds of thousands of people world over benefit from that fucker. From what? Tannin injection MT two. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But then let's get to my suppressing suppressant peptides. Bag of absolute shit. Can't work, don't work, will never have an impact on on down-regulating my You know, and there's other peptides of a similar ilk, and and I do believe the IGF ones are the same.
0: I hear a bird at your house.
1: There's loads of birds at my house.
0: You hear that, guys?
1: There was a deer in my garden the other morning. You're kidding me. And there's, there's two ducks that uh, looks to have taken up residence on my pond.
0: Uh, Matt says he has an idea for a world tour. Y'all can come to Virginia, and I'll teach you how to blacksmith. The cabbages can hang out and provide commentary. That would be great. Today on David Scott's World Tour, blacksmithing. Stay tuned. This is going to be such a great show, Dave. We just got to pitch this to Netflix.
1: No, Discovery? Discovery. Yeah, they seem to invest in all this bollocks, don't they?
0: And then that will go to Netflix. That sounds like a good idea. I like that. I
1: think think Discovery Channel, the the Dave and Scott tour.
0: I like that. I like that. All right. I think that's it. We may have had one more. What was this here? You
1: always always put the most important person first.
0: (laughs) Uh, Cream floats to the top crap sinks to the bottom that's why you guys your guys's show is gaining momentum and always very informative good job
1: i, I, I was expecting some sort of comment about that's why we're at the bottom
0: <laughs> me too me too i was waiting for it i was waiting for it
1: <laughs>
0: which one of us is the cream that's what i want to know oh hi mrs meep mrs
1: meep's the cream
0: <laughs> guys we appreciate you watching um of course check out our awesome sponsors go to truenutrition.com and use our code Think. you can get a lot of great health supplements performance supplements high quality protein powders hit me up if you want to talk about flavors go to supplementsource.ca for those of you in canada get yourself a big old pack of ephedrine in fact order a case and uh go to uh, uh eval uh blood anal Dot com. You can reach out to Dave there for uh, some blood work. Uh, plus, like I said before, guys, you'll also get a free pizza of your choice, uh, three toppings and crazy bread. And um, go to the X Eval Born Mouth Challenge Extravaganza Contest that will be coming up when?
1: Fourth of June. And Scott, Now, you are a prize fucking (laughs)
0: brick born mouth that's how you say it born mouth see you guys soon (laughs) thank you for tuning in to another podcast here at think big bodybuilding media if we've provided value to you today then please consider contributing to our show You can help support the show through Patreon. Every $5 helps to pay for the software and the hardware and everything else that goes into making a podcast. You can also contribute by using our code at True Nutrition. True Nutrition has been our title sponsor for several years now. I'm super grateful for them. And I've believed in True Nutrition supplements long before they sponsored our programming. You could use our code THINK for health supplements and performance supplements. Feel free to hit me up if you have any questions. And if you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. They have free shipping over $99, huge discounts on overstock, short-dated, and label-change products. Plus, they have all your normal supplements, too. Thank you guys for listening to the commercial. I hope you're having a great day and that your bodybuilding is going well. Let's get back to the shelf.